Coming up next, the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio, episode 20-16. The Exodus Tabernacle, maybe we're looking at a domed structure that is circular as a tent and not rectangular like a shoebox. The engineer's name is Andrew Hoy, a mechanical engineer and believer in Yeshua who has spent years studying this material from the Hebrew text. Back in September of 2016, there was an article published in a uh, magazine called Breaking Israel, and uh, it was a news article that the Exodus Tabernacle may have in fact been round, dome-shaped, and uh, it was posited by uh, a mechanical engineer out of the United States. The engineer's name is Andrew Hoy, who runs an international research website at uh, www.project314.org project314.org and uh, we're going to be talking with uh, Andrew Hoy about the Wilderness Israel Tabernacle which uh, is going to potentially challenge some of the uh, the older theories that are out there um, perhaps you have heard that uh, or seen in your studies going even to Israel, you know that the most of the images of the tabernacle come across looking like a shoebox of sorts. And uh, Andrew is going to uh, posit that that is just not correct. So we're going to talk now with Andrew Hoy. Andrew, welcome to the uh, program today. Thank you very much, Avi. It's good to be here. Andrew, I would like you to just just give us a you know a little bit of a background as to uh, what your your uh, you know your scientific training is to posit your ideas on this. What you've looked at, if you would please. Yeah, well, as as they do or, or say in the in Eastern cultures a little bit, you know, my father is this and my father is that. Um, you know, introduction based on the father. Uh, my father was a, a, a mechanical engineering professor for uh, in excess of four decades at Milwaukee School of Engineering, which is uh, nicknamed at MIT of the Midwest. Uh, back in high school, I I was kind of uh, starting to gravitate towards more technical things. I, I also had kind of an affinity for computers, so the the whole engineering thing seemed to be a, a good fit, and so I I started down that path. So that's that's kind of a uh, my the technical side of my background in, in a nutshell, I guess. So I want to talk a little bit about your spiritual journey, what you've seen, how you've uh, you know just how you've kind of come through life and arrived at where you have uh, come to here in in your journey here. Sure. Um, I was born into a kind of Lutheran Christian home type thing. I started keeping Sunday as, as Sabbath, probably mid-2000s or so, and, and um, the friends of mine who were within, you know, the evangelical world just thought I was crazy, um, you know, having kind of a line in the sand and saying, oh, this is, you know, Sabbath day. And mm-hmm. from there, I uh, I ended up moving out of Milwaukee for, for a, as a job change and uh, moved to central Wisconsin and from there, I started looking for uh, Sabbath fellowships and found a small Sabbath fellowship because I, 
I had tried that same thing in Milwaukee, but nothing ever really clicked. Now, from what I understand, um, you uh, had lived in Israel for a certain amount of time here. You want to tell us a little bit about that, please? Sure. Um, from that, I, I made the decision to uh, to go over there and, and uh, learn, you know, Hebrew full time. So yeah, I I, uh, I moved to Israel. Uh, you know, uh, did did some uh, study at the University of Haifa. Was that uh, with uh, Technion in Haifa by any chance or no? N- no, it was it was Haifa University. Okay. Uh, I think with that, what I would like to do is, uh, you know, is just find out a little bit more about your interest in the tabernacle. I had zero interest in, in the tabernacle. It's not that I, you know, despised it or any any which thing, but. Uh, just it just didn't inspire me in any in any which way. I had, I had no inclination to study it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I did a, a Shiloh visit mm-hmm. back in uh, 2011, 2012 timeframe, uh, or a couple of them. You know, they've got kind of an archaeological park in Shiloh, and then next to that, there's you know kind of a, a mm-hmm. functioning town. Mm-hmm. So I I visited that back then. In your experience, though, and, and you know, tying in some of your uh, your educational background and looking at the tabernacle and at the the whole structure of it, there's there's years, centuries, millennia of uh, opinions and writings and uh, studies that have uh, produced uh, a, a, a picture of this structure as a kind of a, you know what we call maybe a, a shoebox look uh, sure. you know and uh, you're 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 saying no I, I i disagree with that you have your reasons uh technical reasons not just you know emotional reasons and i'd, I'd like to hear some of your thoughts on this subject if you would please well, let me let me start with the the impression in the shoebox in a sense the shoebox isn't the only one uh, sometimes they present it as an A-frame. Hmm. Uh, sometimes they present it as a shoebox. If you just you know hit the Google uh, Google image image search and type in tabernacle, you'll see you know there's a, there's a variety and and everyone thinks there's this giant consensus on on what it is. Well, there's consensus on only a few of the real parameters of it. You know one of them is is the courtyard size. They basically say well that's 50 by 100, and I don't disagree with that. I disagree with how they interpret that part, but um, let's let's go back to the uh, you know the the other structure. So the other structure, you know, for 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 point of reference, that the, the Bible never tells you what the overall final dimensions of the structure is. What you're forced to do is is take the pieces and you are to assemble them, and and from that assembly, you you end up with a, a final configuration, and that that final configuration should have a certain size, you know, based on the addition of you know, certain uh, boards or certain fabrics at, at certain lengths. The construction of it is, is very much, it's like giving the, you the dimensions of nails and, and two by fours and, and telling you the, the quantity of those and say, well, how big is the house? Hmm. You know, because the dimensions for the house aren't given. What exactly was it that compelled you to uh, redesign this idea or perhaps I think you've used the term rediscovered it? As yes. a large dome, instead of this kind of a, either an A-frame or a rectangular structure or whatever it is, what moved you to do that? The, the the reason I happened upon it is because I was studying one particular Hebrew word, and that Hebrew word led me to Exodus 26. From that, I started looking at the curtains, and the curtains uh, that was a, a 
the thread of the sweater that I just started pulling. Mm-hmm. And because uh, because if you if you take a look at the details, and this is where, as I was saying before, um, there's the impression that all everyone's in agreement on the on the tabernacle design. The, the little nuances, you know, people just shrug their shoulders and say, well, it doesn't really matter that much. Um, I have uh, a number of art scroll books, commentaries. Um, they don't have any commentary for Exodus 26, uh, verse 1 through 13, which is describing uh, two sets of tabernacle curtains. Okay, we're talking with Andrew Hoy, a mechanical engineer and a believer in Yeshua, Torah observant believer in Yeshua, from... Uh, the uh, United States, U.S. state of Wisconsin, I believe, right? Not far from Milwaukee. That's correct. Okay. And uh, Andrew has years of background as a mechanical engineer and a lover of arithmetic and mathematics. And uh, we're talking about the tabernacle, the wilderness tabernacle, not so much as a uh, rectangular structure, but more as a domed kind of structure, and uh, uh, you're saying that you discovered this essentially by reading the Hebrew narrative, and you can talk a little bit about that if you like. It was it started out by accident, and it actually started out in the English narrative, but um, you know, to make the point of contrast, you cannot get there in most English translations. You, you end up with a collection of logical contradictions throughout the text. And that's, again, why there's some of the discrepancies. Uh, going back to the, the curtains and discovering the curtains, uh, discovering the, the, the math in the curtains was, was totally, you know, super important as to this. So, uh, as I mentioned before, there's, there's, you know, most commentators do not dwell at all on curtains. They just say, well, it's kind of really not relevant. It's, you know, how much do you describe the shingling on your houses or, you know, Mm-hmm. But that's that's just it. This is a, a direction of thus saith the Lord type thing where mm-hmm. you have uh, all the parts spec'd out. You know, this is a this, it's a parts list. So you're building from a parts list. And mm-hmm. this is part of a, a six chapter excerpt of thus saith the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so if you can imagine that into a Simon Says game, you know, we, we deal with, uh, you know, two and three line commands with Simon Says with kids, you know, you know, pat your head, you know, or Simon Says pat your head, Simon Says rub your knee. Um, touch your foot, haha! Ha, Simon doesn't <laughs> didn't say, and and, mm-hmm. and that's just it. You know, there's there's uh, of all the imperative commandments in the the, the Torah portion, uh, Parsha Teruma, which is Exodus 25 through 27. Uh, there are uh, I want to say 83 imperative verbs. Actually, they're excluded from the the count of 613. Uh, all but one or two of them. You know, they they take it as you know, make a sanctuary for me. You know, that's the only one of all these commandments that pertain to the tabernacle that they've given the the honor to, to, to be included in the 613. So, and, so, and rather, so if, I, if I understand you correctly, you're saying that uh, of the 613 commandments, you're saying really there are 83 commands in the imperative verb form about the tabernacle that are not even included in those implying what in your mind why is it that we pay attention we say oh there's 613 commandments 613 commandments when in fact uh there are more than that and you know this they 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 treat them all like sub commandments if you will but then 
if the if the subcommandments are describing how to do the main commandment, why why would you ignore all the the subcommandments? Uh, j- just for perspective, mm-hmm. there are more commandments given pertaining to the tabernacle curtains, the fabrics, etc., so forth, than there is or than there there are, were given for the Ark of the Covenant. Hmm. So within you know Judaism Christianity both they're like you know the ark of the covenant is this great holy thing well why is it that there's more text dedicated to the the curtains of the structure than there are this 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 holy 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 thing mm-hmm. maybe it's just not important to the to the to the whole overall system maybe they just look at this and say well it's the tabernacle that was a long time ago that's not really relevant to us I, what do you think well, sure. I, I think I guess this this creeps in the concept of of replacement theology. You know, the, so the tabernacle is replaced by the the temple. Um, you know, first temple, second temple, and everyone's you know shifted the whole the, the the narrative away from the tabernacle itself. And the tabernacle itself then is so so far forgotten. You know, as if these were never part of "Thus saith the Lord" commandments. And there's there's revelation within these. There's there's prophecy within these. There's obedience within the within mm-hmm. these. There's there's all sorts of, of mm-hmm. reasons why they are of merit. Mm-hmm. And you know why why say these these are the unimportant commandments, whereas these are the important ones. You know why mm-hmm. why would we look at it like that? I guess. Okay, so going back then to the uh, to the premise uh, that you presented here just a moment ago. Uh, Exodus uh, chapter twenty six one is what really caught your attention. And as you're reading through in the Hebrew, you're looking at things and kind of scratching your head and saying, well, what's, what's going on here? You know, and I would like to know uh, uh, what your thought is then, because this is all dealing with essentially a whole lot of detail about the fabric curtains. And you're looking through this and saying all of these curtains are showing a structure that was round as opposed to rectangular. What is it about the fabric of the tabernacle? Um, give us your thoughts here on how you're seeing this in a round dome-shaped idea rather than rectangular. What are you looking at? What are you seeing that no one else seems to be seeing? What, what's going on here? Okay, so um, I'm going to bring it, bring it in and, practical and, terms. And, and I understand, look, we don't have any visuals here, so yeah. we're going to have to be as descriptive as possible and uh, just, you know, just try to describe it the best you can. Sure. So uh, from a practical analogy standpoint, you know, if, if you've been camping before, you know, what's the first thing you do when you're setting up a tent? Well, you, you're going to dump all your stuff out on the ground, you know, in the bag. You're going to unroll everything. Well, after you unroll it, when you put your tent, you, you you have to figure out where you want your tent, right? And so you're gonna you're gonna drag this this big chunk of uh, you know vinyl and and um, fabric, you know canvas fabric, whatever. You're gonna drag it to the site you want it. You're gonna you're gonna lay it down on the ground. You're gonna make sure it's not sitting on rocks and stumps and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So this is this is why the fabrics are described as the first item, is because they got to do the exact same thing. They got to get a, a floor plan. They got to um, they got to march out a perimeter, so to speak. They got to make sure the thing is get planted on rocks and stumps and and divots and so forth. I'm assuming the audience can also relate to the fact that, yeah, you're you're dragging this thing out like a tent. I mean, we've sure. perhaps you know, I mean, I've been 
camping with my family, my kids. So, I mean, I know what you're talking about and you're dragging it out so to a location. Where it yeah. And you're putting yeah. it together. So, right. Uh, so, so that's where it starts. And this is why the, the fabric layout and the fabric dimensions are given at the, at the first, at the onset. So you're not building the frame first, you're, you're laying out fabrics. Mm -hmm. So when you lay out the fabrics, that establishes a perimeter. The traditional rectangular, which everyone's familiar with, they, they perceive it to be a, a tent with four layers. They, they basically say it's a, it's got a, a layer of, of uh, linen, then a, a la layer of wool, and then a layer of a reddened leather, and then um, you know another layer of leather. And they, they basically assume that this, this layer stack is stacked one on top of the next, on top of the next, on top of the next. And going back to the, the Exodus, uh, uh, you know, the details that, that um, are, are generally kind of glossed over, and this, this is where the assumptions start to set in. It, it says to, to make these curtains, which are, are very long and narrow. They're like, uh, the first set is four by 28 cubits. So if you figure a cubit is anywhere between a, a foot and a half to two feet, we'll just say two feet to make easy numbers. Um, so that's, you know, a, a piece of fabric, 56 feet long by eight feet wide. So you're supposed to make 10, 10 pieces of fabric like this. So, you know, why do you make these pieces of fabric of this size. And that's a pretty long, long and wide stretch, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so you're told to make 10 of them. And then after that, you're told to make another 11. And now the, the next set of 11 is made of wool instead. And it's uh, four cubits by 30 cubits, which is, again, just a few feet longer. So now you're looking at eight feet wide, 60 feet long. So we have four sets, four descriptive sets of of overlays is that the yes. best way to put it yes okay layers layers okay and out of these four we're dealing with number one number one now you're saying is you know uh, give or take as we're translating it into feet uh 56 feet by eight feet wide right yes okay 10 pieces of that 10, 10 pieces 10 pieces okay then we go to a second layer eight feet by 60 feet and yep. uh, there's uh, 11 of those. Yep. So 11 and, pieces, yeah. And then and then the leather that's described, it's described in one verse of Exodus, and there's no dimensions given for the leather. Okay. Okay, go ahead. So, so, so that's what we, we start with. That's what we're working with. And so of the, of the four-layered tent, what everyone's accustomed to, it's that layer of, of uh, linen, then a layer of wool, and then a reddened layer of leather, and then another layer of leather. Okay. That's tradition. So. Okay, so let, let, me, let me recap just for a moment so we're following this here. So we have four layers, correct me if I'm wrong, four layers yep. that uh, this whole image starts off, Exodus chapter 26, and layer number one has 10 pieces of 56 feet by 8 feet wide. Uh, you know, give or take, this is in feet, okay, not cubits, okay? Layer number two, and, and that's linen, the first one. The second one is wool, and that is going to be um, 11 pieces at uh, 60 feet long by about 8 feet wide. That's, again, 11 pieces of wool. The third layer is leather, but it's not given. There's only one verse, and it's not actually um, uh, given to us. In it with, there's no dimensions with that. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, and then the fourth one is. Uh, it's also it's also leather. The, the the lower leather is is reddened, 
And then there's an upper layer. What I hear you saying here is with all of these four layers, all very detailed in Exodus 26 and continuing as it's talking about this image, um, you're saying that for us to fit this into a rectangular structure, uh, it, uh, from a mechanical engineering standpoint, you're essentially saying it doesn't work, or am I misunderstanding well, that? Well, um, you can make it work. It, it doesn't work well, and it doesn't make sense. Uh, show me the next time you go camping uh, any multi-layered tent, you know, a tent that has multiple layers like that. Um, so there's, there's the question of why. Why would he do this? Why would he describe all these parts the way that he did? And you know, being a big believer in the fact that there is a why, I started to look for it when I, when I stumbled upon this, this curtain set uh, description and, and so forth. And really, um, it, it comes down to this. All these things are long and narrow strips. Now, here's, here's the detail that's, that's overlooked. You're supposed to make all the, the curtains the same size of, of each of the different sets, and you're supposed to make loops on both ends. All right. So if you're supposed to make loops on both ends, question of question, which ends do you make the loops on? Okay. Mm -hmm. The four layers are, are comprised of multiple pieces. Mm, okay. Uh, so, so with these four layers being comprised of multiple pieces, the first set of those is a linen set that is um you said it works out to about 56 feet long by about eight feet wide you know give or right. take because we're going from cubits into feet and right. you're saying of each of those 10 pieces there are loops on the corners right not on the corners on the edges w which which edges do you put those loops and that's not in the hebrew then no, that, that is in the Hebrew, but that's not – I didn't discover that uh, initially. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, that, that's something – that's a detail that I, I came to uh, perceive, I don't know, even a year or two years later of, of uh, you know, the, more of the specifics on the language because there's, there's a lot of details mm -hmm. to, to put the whole thing together. And you don't instantly you know, master them all at once, and there's, there's, there's so many details where you can overlook a detail and – you still get the rest of it right. It so, still so, comes where, together. so where are these loops in your understanding? Well, the, these loops would go on the short edges of the curtain. Not the long edges. Not the long edges. And your reason it, why? It, I can tell you, a, a kaitsona, the Hebrew is, is describing the cut edges. And so, you know, we, we we're talking about how long these strips are. So if it's long and narrow, if, if it's eight wide by, by 56 long, you know, to, to do loom weaving, what you would do is is uh, suspend. You'd get two sticks at both sides, and and basically you know, drape your your cords back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Um, and so, um, when you there, there's two different uh, uh, ways you can well, there's multiple ways you could weave, but typically you'd have the uh, the long edges kind of fixed, and you weave back and forth against the short edge. You know, from the, the shorter span, so the eight-foot span, you you go, you, you shuttle, uh, you shuttle the thread through along the narrow width, and then then turn around and, and shuttle it back, turn around, shuttle it back, turn around, shuttle it back. You know, that's that's just loom weaving has been done like that for you know thousands of years, and I don't see where that's that's changed a whole lot. So this is this is a, a, a detail of, of the Hebrew where it's, it's saying to to use the cut edges. Well, 
you, you don't stop and, and cut every time you, you make a pass with the thread through the short, um, you know, the, through that short dimension. You, you just get a, a really long strand, you thread it one way, you know, going over, under, over, under, over, under, and then once you reach the, the, the side of it, then you go back, you're doing the same thing in the opposite thing to make the weave. Seems to me that what I understand from what you're saying, the real difference between your understanding of this and everybody else out there, I suppose, is that these loops are going on the short edges, that is on the eight foot wide sides of these long pieces of fabric. Is that correct? That's correct. We're going to take a quick break here for just a moment, and we're going to come back and continue our conversation, our discussion with Andrew Hoy, uh, a believer in Yeshua HaMashiach, and also, by trade, a mechanical engineer, as he's looking at the idea of how the tabernacle in the wilderness was constructed, not so much as a rectangle, but as a circular kind of disc dome shaped um, place of worship. You are listening to Avi Ben Mordechai and the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio, episode 20-16. Welcome back to the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio. Join us as we continue to explore and discover insights into the ancient Jewish and Hebraic ways of understanding and interpreting the Bible's lessons and narratives. Once again, here's your host, Avi ben Mordechai. We're talking with Andrew Hoy, a uh, mechanical engineer and believer in Yeshua HaMashiach, and uh, discussing his research into the uh, pattern of the tabernacle in the wilderness, according to Hebrew scripture, and applying some good old-fashioned mathematics through a constant ratio called pi, 3.14. And uh, we'll uh, continue now with our discussion with Andrew on the things that he has seen in scripture and uh, how he understands it and applies it to taking a look at the stamp or the seal of yud heh vav from heaven as it appears in heaven on earth. So uh, let's continue on with our discussion with Andrew Hoy. What you have given me here so far is these loops. I want to go back to these loops that are on these fabric pieces. And there are four layers of these different fabric pieces, correct? Well, the two layers are fabric-based and the other two are leather. So some people would call leather fabric, but others would not. So. Okay, so the, but there's four of these layers, each with various dimensions that are written about in the Hebrew text, right? Well, the, other, the leather have no dimensions specified. Okay, so the but, first two at yeah. least have dimensions. The other leather um, pieces, the other leather pieces, uh, uh, structures or pieces, whatever you're going to call that, they don't have dimensions, but they are they are overlaid on top of these first two, right? Um, that, that is actually an assumption. Okay. Um, and so, and this is the traditional assumption, so mm -hmm. get, getting into the four-layer usage. Um, so, so you go back to this, the dimension set, and this is, this is where I really began, and, and I guess b before I started looking at, you know, thinking of, of all the details of the loops and so forth, you know, I just, I was looking at this in the raw numbers state. So, 
you know, what we were describing, uh, you, putting everything into feet so that people could relate to that real easy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's something to. It's important to get that visual in your head, but uh, also when you have Bible translations where they're putting this in feet, you'll you'll lose you'll lose the hint that's that's sitting there in the plain text. Mm-hmm. And when I say the hint, it's more than a hint; it's a revelation. And it's it's in that second set of curtains. It's with the wool curtains, and this is this is what caused me to start to to uh, explore this thing to to you know intense levels that I have. Okay, so 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 and, explain then about what this uh, how this revelation of sorts uh, this uh, hidush uh, you know came about in your mind when you're looking at this second uh, this second layer of fabric the wool. And its specific dimensions, what was it that just uh, went into your mind and went, wow, what's this all about? Yeah, so, so I was looking at the dimensions because if if you do it the traditional way, you'd end up with two rectangular swatches of fabric, uh, one slightly larger than the other, and the second one over, the larger one overlaying the smaller one. And so... This is, again, common perception. So there's a question of how those two things relate. One relates to the other. And this is what my other word study tangent brought me down into this this very particular detail. And so I started looking online and all these things are, you know, everyone's got their own opinion. And there's so there's there's more than one opinion on this. You could probably interpret the text, you know, eight different ways on just this detail alone. And then most of the time people don't even detail it because they don't want to they don't want to be burdened with it or blamed for it or you know, whatever the reason I guess I don't mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times they just don't have a command on it so so be it now uh, I, I have a real important question I want you to be thinking about this one here um, there are many people out there scholars professors lecturers people that uh, know Hebrew that have Hebrew as part of their mother tongue, and they, they read these things, and they've been around a lot longer than we have. What are your uh, detractors saying? What, 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 what are they, when they look at your ideas, I'm sure you've heard it, uh, what are they saying? Are they saying, uh, Andrew, you're, you're out of your mind, or no, you might actually have something here, or this or that, I what are they saying? Detractors have been mostly anglicized, you know, English first language or English only language people. And they, they run right to their translations and they point out two, three verses. And, and there's some who, who, who hear the claim kind of objectively and they say, huh, I have to see this for myself. But they have so much, you know, they have faith in the Bible, which is good, but they have an equal amount of faith in their translations. And then Apart from translations, what what do they got? There's a whole bunch of different people shouting different ideas in their ear, and they say, "Well, I'm going to stick with this Bible because it seems to be pretty true to me," and and so I'm at a, at a disadvantage because the translators were translating this with a certain paradigm, and when you compare the Hebrew to the English, it's it it's not remotely close to what it what it is and what it ought be, and so this is a, a detail. When I, when I was in Israel now. Getting into the issue of you know detractors or not, um, I'm able to. Uh, I've got this this whole design reduced to to four pages, of of uh, just you know really condensed content, a drawing set, and I have an English set and I have a Hebrew set, and I was 
going around in Israel talking to, you know, very religious, you know, Orthodox Jews. Some of these people have this Parsha memorized. So, so, so Andrew, what are the Hebrew scholars who do speak Hebrew, who, you know, that uh, this is even their mother tongue for many of them, what are they saying about the ideas that you are presenting here? Well, it's I, I didn't necessarily get audience with with gobs and gobs of quote quote Hebrew scholars. I went at a time of the year where school was not in session. I did go into some universities and talk to people, um, but where I talked to people because they just had never considered it this way, um, the, the response was was uh, largely wow or like like. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was, it was one of surprise where they they kind of sat there silently. Um, you know, I did uh, uh, I did talk to to people at the uh, you know again Shiloh and at Timna and, and um, you know the, these places. It's you know it gets a little bit more delicate mm-hmm. in, in those kinds of engagements. Um, you know, I had one one guy who'd been studying uh, the temple is you know for for two decades plus. And he's he for him it just took him took him back and he didn't disagree. Um, I, the the trend was that uh, I could show him these 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 drawings, uh, naming all the the points and you know they they nod and follow and nod and follow. Then again it's, it's usually ah, and then it's like oh you got to talk to my rabbi you got to talk to such and such. It's, ah, it was always kind ah. of it was always kick the can down the road ah. because because there's the insecurity. Of like I don't know if if what you're selling me is is you know if it's you know, got first, any if it's got any credibility or not right so mm-hmm. I I got that response so many times but there there were like there's so many times where they're like wow I, I this is this is amazing and so I think they see it as kind of a both and a lot of times I, I find Jews are a lot of times are very pluralistic where they'll mm-hmm. they'll say well this is, can be true and this can be true and and there are such a thing as is you know multiple parallel truths. Um, but this is a, I see this as an either or between the the round or the the rectangle. But um, mm-hmm. anyway, I wanted to just kind of close out on that because the 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 vast majority of the Israelis I talked to, um, you know, there are some of them that responded vehemently, and the ones who did usually didn't do so with with uh, particulars and details. They just didn't want to engage it. And um, I, I was just trying to say, hey, you know, show me this is wrong because you know mm-hmm. I would be better off now just quitting this if if. If the Israelis, or, you know, the native speakers are saying, "Hey, this is this is junk," but uh, I couldn't find anyone who could re- re- refute this. So. Now, now, in your in your experience, um, the Messianic movement, the Ephraimite Israelite Messianic movement, um, what uh, what what kind of feedback are you getting from some of the scholars out in that field? We don't have to mention names, just. Generally, what uh, what's the response there? Well, it's it's a bit mixed, and um, generally, it's uh, I think most people don't study this. They they I think that they largely refrain from the engagement of it because because this combination level of detail and, and this isn't common or this isn't unique to um, you know messianic type people. This is true within Judaism also because. Everyone wants the subject matter expert to weigh in. And when someone says, you know, oh, I don't have any expertise in that, uh, again, the, the, it's, it's kick the can down the, down the road farther or, or, you know, punt on fourth down. You know, this is, this is the typical response I get because it's so 
so marginally studied as is, and then it doesn't make sense when you know when people try to to you know they they put all sorts of Christology you know they 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 incorporate all that into their the shoebox model and so you know some of them feel threatened in that I've been teaching this this rectangular thing for so long I don't want to be told something different and you know people have this in their study Bibles you know pictures of this and so the the the, the image in the brain is so captivating that that. It's it's hard to bring people out and above that. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I I have yet to to you know meet anyone who can, you know, who wants to take up the challenge of like okay let's let's debate on this because, you know, I can I can go through every single detail and most most of them are, are relying on about you know four or five phrases in the English trans translations to say no it's not round it it's rectangular that's that's all they rely on and and they. They haven't really objectively studied it. You know, there's there's people who intuitively see it. They see it as being a very natural occurring and practical shape. And, you know, getting into just the, the wood density, if you, if you look at how many tons of lumber you're, you're hauling through the wilderness and then to just stand all these 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 poles up end to end on end, uh, you're, you're looking at, uh, you know, it's it's the antithesis of a tent. The, the purpose of a tent is to take as much fabric as you can and span it with as least pole as you can. You're trying to have a very compact structure, a portable structure, and you want to get as, as large as you can for all the material you're carrying. Well, the way that it's traditionally taken, it seems like the opposite objective is true. You know, why would you make a tent with three solid wood walls and then the, the the one side is completely open or just covered by a curtain, mm-hmm. and then put four four layers of fabric on the roof. Hmm. I mean, who who does that? Hmm. You know, nobody. That's a good point. That is a good point. Yeah. Okay. So you really came to um, to your understanding of this because of what uh, what the mathematical formula is for pi. 3.14. Uh, tell us a little bit about pi and how you arrived at this uh, understanding of a domed tabernacle in the wilderness based on that uh, formula. Yeah, so pi um, yeah, 3.14 is, is the ratio between a circle's circumference and its diameter. So that your diameter is just a straight line across, and circumference is a lot like how we measure, a, a, you know, a person measures their waist. Um, so the, so taking a measure, tape measure and tape, you know, putting the tape around it versus uh, just uh, laying a, across. Um, Acro- um, across from point A to B, so to speak. Right, right, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when I was looking at the numbers, and again, these numbers being in cubits, and this is why it's it's so important on, on the, the original uh, idea and the original text and the original dimensions, original units, it says to take these these curtains and put them all end to end. So you have this question of which ends, right? So um, I was just putting this these numbers into a spreadsheet as, because I also like uh, you know numerology and, and and gematria, you know those those things like like E. W. Bullinger's number in scripture. You know he talks about how seven is used for covenant and seven is used for this and that. You know. mm-hmm. So it, it's that sort of thing, you know that that I that. Uh, rings a, a bell with me. I guess I, I like that sort of those correlations. You know, I'm not talking about making prophecies based on you know all these numbers and guesses and stuff. I'm, I'm, that's not where I'm going with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was looking at this on, on the numbers, and I, I saw in the spreadsheet if you take these 
these 11 curtains, and there's they're 30, 30 cubits long. So there's 11 of them times times 30. So if, if we put them all end to end, that, that would be a, a length of 330. Wait, wait, wait. 11 curtains. That's the yeah. wool, not the, the wool set. The, wool, okay. set, the yeah. wool set is 11 curtains working out to approximately 60 feet long by 8 feet wide, roughly. Okay, mm -hmm. based on going to cubits to feet, it's, it's, you know, it's a ballpark. So anyway, so you're saying there's 11 of these at ballpark of about 60 feet by 8 feet wide. Yep. Uh, I'm trying to agree on a on a size or a standard. We're we're in feet, then we're moving to cubits, and cubits back to feet, which can get real confusing. So uh, let's just do it this way here. On the second set, on the second layer, the wool layer, as you're saying, in Exodus 26, you have 11 sections, each four cubits by 30 cubits long, right? Correct. Okay, so take it from there now, and uh, you're connecting them or weaving them together Basically into a large walls, into a large yeah. swath of fabric or cloth. Right, a, a very long one actually. Okay. And th this is this is why it's kind of escaped the intuitive, uh, where it doesn't seem intuitive. Like this is the solution. Um, and and from that, you know, what do you what do you do? How do you use that for a, a, to cover a tent? Because hmm. this is this is what it's describing in in Exodus, hmm. but the the thing is is with this this is where the numbers come out and this is where the pie comes in. Here, four four cubits with with yep. thirty cubits long times eleven yep. of those curtains, long. right? The length, yep. The yep. length. That's going to be a very long piece of of a of of a, of a fabric. Very long. Lot longer than a football field. So what are you going to do with that? And you're saying uh, that right, that's, tied in, that's tied in with pie, right? I'm sorry, longer than a football field is wide. So it, it talks about in Exodus then to take the, the last, the 11th sheet and fold it in half. Ah, okay. Dub, double it up. Mm -hmm. um, and, and from there, I realized just looking at the numbers, I saw, well, let's take that last one. So it's not 330 anymore. We're going to take 15 away because one of these 30 long pieces is getting folded in half. Now, Scripture so, scripture says to take that 11th piece and fold it in half? Yes. Perhaps I, I should feel embarrassed. I mean, I, I just have never looked at this stuff like you have. I've never looked at it in great detail. I've assumed, okay, look, you know, the tradition is right. The rabbis are right. This is the way it is. I've never looked at it like like what you're saying. So uh, I can see what you're saying. I've got a visual image here, and I think for some of our, uh, many of our listeners, I hope that uh, that this visual uh, picture here is helping since we don't have anything here in front of us. So the 11th sheet, according to the Hebrew, it has to be folded in half. Therefore, if it's a four cubit wide by 30 cubit long piece, you're going to take the 30 cubit length side and you're going to divide that. You're going to fold it over to make it 15 cubits, right? That's correct. Okay, continue, please. So I, I just want to th throw in a little commentary there. You know, you said you never looked at looked at it this in detail. Um, you know, again, I'll, I'll I'll confess my own apathy. You know, I didn't either. You know, this is mm -hmm. this isn't something that that most people do. Um, mm -hmm. But I guess it, it speaks to the power of the text and what's what's really in there. And 
you know, you, you're you're one of billions of people who've mm-hmm. who've never you know drilled down to it and like this. So, mm-hmm. get, getting into that, once you fold that in half, and I saw, okay, well, if if we reduce that length from 330 to 315, I was like, wow, that that relationship, that's really close to a multi, a perfect multiple of pi 315. Mm. And then, so so this is what 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 started me looking at the whole thing. So I was just I was just putzing around looking at these these two different curtain sets and how they relate one to the other because the dimensions are similar, the quantities are similar but not the same, and I wasn't quite sure how they were overlapping, and so I was just exploring that. And so from exploring that and, and putting this into numbers and seeing the numbers, uh, my dad is, is an engineering professor. He used to say, you know, make a free body diagram with tender love and care, you know, FDB with TLC. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. You know, so you should draw out what you know. And, and do it very carefully. And so from doing that, um, this is where the, the, the 30s all, all started to shine and where I saw that 315, and I said, wow, that's close to pi. And this is where I saw that, okay, 315 cubits, whatever a cubit is, whether a cubit is, that the low estimates are 15 inches in some, or cultures, different cultures possibly well, too, 15 inches, 18 inches, 21 inches, this is about a perfect multiple of pi. I mean, 3.14 versus 3.15, that's not a lot of error. You know, that's that's like a one-third of a percent error or something mm. like that. That's okay. that's, that's okay. really, you know, not, not much at all. Okay. But what I'm saying is, is then I looked at the next verse, and I got a chill up my spine because uh, if you look at Exodus 26, verse 13, it said, now take a little from here, a little from there, a cubit. Hmm. And hmm. and I said, wow, that's that's talking about subtracting a cubit from this 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 pile of 315. That's this string of 315. So now we're literally at 315 exact cubits minus one cubit or about one cubit, and now this brings us down to three point or three one four. Oh, okay. And so okay. this is. And when I when I saw that, that struck me uh, as as being amazing. I'm like, this is this is incredible. This is important. And I've I've just discovered in the plain text uh, a, a number for pi for the constant pi uh, more accurate than any other ancient culture had at that time. You know, in the course of a hundred yards, you're only looking at this. Between 3.14 and 3.14159, you know, whatever, you're only looking at a, a few inches of mm-hmm. of uh, deviation. So this is enough between you know measurement errors and stretching of fabrics and and mm-hmm. so forth. Mm-hmm. It's it's not enough to start crying about by any stretch of the imagination. It's, yeah. it's so so close that mm. it makes sense to do work of the, this type at that level. Apart from that, though, the the laver Solomon's baths or, or lavers, the you know the large water basins that they had, the dimensions of that are given in the text, and this is where people like to, you know, give give Bible thumpers a, a black eye and say, ha ha ha, look at the Bible talks about the the circumference of the laver, and it compares the the um, uh, it it talks about the the a line, you know, drawing a line or or, or taking a, uh, a a tape measure type thing. You know where the the measure is three to to one, so there's a, there's the terms you know outer diameter and inner diameter, and so if you use those numbers that are in in the text and you account for the the hand span of of uh, of thickness of you know how thick of that the, that bowl was, 
and, and you say, well, this is the inner diameter they were measuring and not the, the outer, um, suddenly you are at 3.14, you know, something. It's, it's, uh, it's also, it, it turns very close to, uh, you know, the actual pi constant. But, but, um, but, but it, the thing is that, that, you know, that pi is not, is not a rectangular formula. Right, it it, it it has nothing to do with rectangular geometry, really. There, so it is a cir it's circular geometry. Would that be a correct way yes. to say it? Sure, it's 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 hinting towards circular geometry in some ways. Let's come back on the next program, the next broadcast of uh, Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio, and let us continue with this subject of the tabernacle, the Ohel in the wilderness, based on Hebrew scripture, and uh, the idea that uh, maybe we're looking at a domed structure that is circular as a tent and not rectangular like a shoebox. Uh, we're going to talk more with Andrew Hoy, the mechanical engineer and believer in Yeshua, uh, who has spent years studying this material from the Hebrew text. And uh, we're going to look at these ideas and continue uh, on our next podcast. So join us then. This is Avi ben Mordechai. You've been listening to the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio with your host, Avi ben Mordechai. We hope that you have discovered some fresh insights into the ancient biblical Jewish and Hebraic ways of understanding and interpreting the Bible's lessons and narratives. This podcast was brought to you by the Outreach Ministry of Coming Home. Visit our website at www.cominghome.co.il. If you have questions or comments, direct them by email to questions at cominghome.co.il. Again, questions at cominghome.co.il. Yah willing, we'll hope to see you for the next podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio.